Mornings with a Policy podcast, I'm Ashton Kazarian. On today's show, we're going to talk about many very crucial issues in tech policy. Joining me is Nina Archie, CEO and founder of Innovator Connector and Diversity Tech Policy Advisor of Commercializer. Nina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Nina, so before we dive into all the topics you and I brainstormed and are going to talk about, what is... Um, your company. Tell us a little bit more about it, Innovator Connector. Thank you. So basically the Innovator Connector um, was started, you know, because of the fact that I wanted to um, pretty much help as well as collaborate on projects that are dealing with um, intellectual property, commercialization, government funding and resources um, for innovators, as well as diversity gap issues. And so basically this Innovator Connector was launched in order to, um, or is an innovative consulting firm that wants to work with clients um, that focuses on these areas. Um, It is a need, I think right now for innovators to also be um, learning a lot more about how, uh, you know, legislation and policy impacts small business innovators, as well as the progressing of technology. Um, So with that being said, you know, I wanted to, you know, start an innovative consulting firm that focuses on these things with clients. Well, that is fascinating. And, you know, starting in business in 2020 takes guts. And we wish you best of luck. And we would love to have you back uh, to tell us more about how everything is going and what the new projects are in your company. Um, Now diving into the topic of our podcast, which is a wide range of innovation technologies and the startups behind them and the progress. Um, Let's start with um, the next frontier of technologies uh, that are grabbing our attention, right? Um, Artificial intelligence, autonomous vehicles, quantum computing, biotech. Uh, feel free to start with, I mean, each of those can be not just one podcast, but a whole series of podcasts, obviously, but feel free to pick one of them and just kind of uh, go into how these technologies um, are improving not just the world, but the economy and uh, what, what should we do to support them? What should we know about them? So one of the things that, you know, I've, I've picked up on in regards to, you know, the next frontier of technologies, whether they're, you know, dealing with space, artificial intelligence, autonomous vehicles, um, quantum commuting, computing, um, biotech, though all of these uh, technologies are technologies now that are being, one, developed by startups. Um, that is, you know, improving not only just in communities, but the world now, particularly since, you know, we have, you know, are moving more into a uh, virtual, you know, virtual type of ecosystem, um, you know, more than before. And so with that being said, you know, I find that, you know, a lot of times there are certain things that, you know, will stifle innovation per se, you know, one of the big, big hearings that recently uh, was, there was a big discussion on was, um, you know, big tech giants and the anti-competitiveness of them and whether or not, you know, some of the big tech companies are, you know, kind of, you know, taking advantage or of startups or, you know, buying out startups uh, that basically could stifle, you know, innovation since we do know that small businesses as well as um, startups are, um, you know, two main key things within the U.S. that actually, uh, 
pretty much provide growth for the economy. Um, so, you know, learning more about, you know, how we can pretty much figure out ways to make sure that we're not stifling innovation um, that actually is trying to develop um, artificial intelligence and autonomous vehicles is, uh, you know, pretty, I should say is imperative or pretty important right now. That is a very uh, important topic that you raised. And I think there is that debate, uh, especially in Silicon Valley, and sometimes it doesn't connect to DC and DC kind of sees only part of it. And it's about how do we help the startups, right? Because at one point, all of the bigger tech companies were startups. Um, and there is, I'm not an economist or a venture capitalist, but as far as I understand, there are stages um, to right development and there are different levels of um, fundraising and development for startups and right there's diff different rounds of funding I believe is the lingo um, and so isn't there a ceiling a certain point that they reach where they either sell or start growing and often it depends on the market I just want to understand more about kind of how does this ecosystem work and how do we help the startups who let's say don't want to sell, like uh, Snapchat, right? They didn't want to sell. They didn't want to uh, be acquired by, I believe, Facebook. And here they are, they still exist, they have grown, but it does look like they have reached the ceiling. And then another competitor came into the market who had nothing to do with the uh, current uh, bigger platforms, and it was TikTok. And apparently yes. everyone just kind of the market decided, and everyone is kind of moving from Snapchat to TikTok and the next generation is on there and that's a whole separate conversation. Um, but like, let me, um, I just want to understand more, like what can be done? How can we support the startups, right? Because there's something to be said about supporting STEM education and supporting um, entrepreneur, entrepreneurs uh, when they start their business, right? Giving people seed money, maybe even some accelerators, whatever that is. But when they start growing, like, what can you exactly do? So one of the things that, you know, I think that uh, from the technology development standpoint of what, you know, can be done once startups get on the ground and running, another thing is like you say, well, how do we, you know, expand our brand? Um, you know, what things can we be thinking about, you know, that can expand our brand? And so those are some of the questions I think as startups continue to grow, you know, they have to continuously ask, you know, how can we expand our brand? It may be through, again, you know, forming partnerships with other organizations so they can, you know, um, you know, amplify their, you know, whatever their products and services are um, to, you know, again, when you speak on finding, you know, more funding to develop, you know, more products uh, within their brand. So where would that funding come from? Do you think we need to kind of change the mindset and the ecosystem? Um, oh, um, so I think that honestly, the funding issue is, you know, an ongoing discussion, especially within, you know, marginalized communities or underrepresented groups in regards to like, where does this funding come from? And I think that, you know, a lot of times people don't know about, you know, small business innovation research uh, program and the small business technology transfer program. Those are two programs that are, you know, funded um, through government where small business innovators, one particularly focuses on academia and innovators and another one focuses a lot more on, you know, collaborating as a small business innovator with the federal, um, federal government. But 
um, but essentially both of these both of these programs are you know federally funded programs that are aimed at trying to produce commercially viable products. And so with that being said, I think the knowledge of basically learning how can you actually even again you may even be able to collaborate with the federal government on um, a particular you know research and product that you're actually trying to bring from a lab, a federal government lab actually to market. So that is, you know, I think something that, you know, a lot of times innovators um, may not necessarily, you know, know about offhand, as well as, you know, just kind of like, again, figuring out, you know, what, what federal labs or what even in academia, because um, it doesn't have to be necessarily a federal lab in regards to, you know, having, finding a partnership, but, you know, just really and truly the education of finding a partnership um, and doing a matchmaking with investors, as well as, again, the government funding that could come through small business innovation research um, program or the small business technology transfer program. So did that, did that make sense? I hope I answered your question. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so in regards to we're obviously in a very unprecedented year uh, for yeah. many reasons, uh, in regards to the economy and the questions surrounding the pandemic and coming out of a pandemic. What are the advantages between the intersection of workforce development and innovation as we move into 2021, as we try to rebuild our economy? Not just rebuild our economy, but also move forward with innovation. Yeah. So one of the things I think that, you know, uh, before COVID, I think people were thinking that, you know, innovation could be harmful or, you know, to, to workforce development, meaning that it could take away, you know, jobs and, you know, there's no way for people to, um, you know, particularly maybe, you know, people in certain groups, whether it's elderly or um, just in general, like just having the knowledge and resources to gain education about, you know, how to be trained on with certain technologies as we're moving into the future, I think that now because of COVID, a lot of business models have had to change and they've had to switch into a gear of, you know, how do I look at utilizing tools that could be virtual? And so with that being said, there are a lot of different technologies now, you know, that are being created. Um, and, and from there, you know, workforce development can come. For example, this is a, a very minor example, but we're doing a podcast right now. Um, recently, I just found out about, and I'm sure people have known about this technology for a while, but one of the technologies is called Otter. It's called Otter AI. And so with that technology, it's a technology where it like transcribes, records, you know, notes, whether you're doing a podcast or you're having a meeting, um, but it's a really good project management tool. And I'm sure people have used it in other instances as well. But I bring up this, uh, I bring up that tool saying that, because business models are changing, there is a lot of technology that is being created and developed as a result of that. And as a result of that technology, I think that now people can look at their business models and say, hey, this is where our workforce development, you know, can actually, you know, um, stem from, you know, now. Um, and what can, what type of training, you know, can we do, you know, to provide workforce development as we move into, you know, this new, um, virtual as well as, you know, new emerging, new development of technologies, the workforce development will have to move with it. So we just have to figure out, you know, the business model as well as like, you know, how do we make sure that we train people in order to make sure they are 
also equipped with the technology needed for, um, you know, theme searches, like I said, virtual tools and so forth. That is actually fascinating. Thank you for telling me about that website, by the way, that AI, because I could use some transcribing. Uh, that is super helpful. Um, so yeah, actually, I think an app. Um, so I think you can download it on your phone, by the way. Um, but yeah, Otter is like, uh, actually my, me and uh, I work, me working with the commercializer, we basically have a lot of consulting meetings and we have to use Otter um, because, you know, again, both of us are very busy. So neither one of us has, you know, a time to just, you know, note take everything <laughs> and write everything down. And I know for someone they would say, oh, you know, that may take, you know, small example, that may take away from, you know, hiring an actual note taker. But, you know, now, like I said, their technology is, there's technology out there now where jobs are being produced and created from that technology as well. And we're just, you know, we have to tap into that also and not, you know, look at things from a harmful standpoint of workforce, workforce development, but how can, you know, this be an advantage to workforce development? How would you address that workforce issue that you've raised? So obviously there is uh, research out there and arguments on both sides. And one of them says that AI or technology is coming to replace our jobs. People on the other side point out to numbers and point out that that's just the normal progression of history often, right? We've industrialized uh, our countries with developed new tools and machinery and people adapted and learned new skills. But how do we do that without hurting the economy, without, you know, making any um, knee-jerk reactions or trying to regulate or ban AI in order to protect the economy, which I've heard some people want to do too? Yeah, that's a um, that's actually a, a good question. I know that you know um, speaking, uh, or I should say, doing my own research myself. Um, there are the they there's been lots of benefits and advantages to using AI, particularly within the manufacturing and agri agricultural uh, ecosystems. Um, so I think that you know again you know, where people have seen numbers, you know, where they're discussing things that, you know, where there may be issues with, you know, workforce development. Um, I think overall, you know, people aren't seeing how, you know, the shift from thinking, I wouldn't say narrowly, but the shift from thinking that, oh, you know, this technology is taking away from workforce development, it should be now a shift of like, where can, where, where, where can we position um, or create jobs? you know, within workforce for, you know, particularly technologies that are being developed. And instead of it, like I said, with artificial intelligence, one of the things I think about is autonomous vehicles. So I know that Neuro is a new like startup and they are basically an autonomous vehicle that delivers uh, different groceries. I know particularly, um, you know, in suburban areas. And I know that they are, you know, pretty much, a company that again has created partnerships, you know, with different um, grocery stores and different organizations that are all about, you know, food delivery. And so, with that being said, you know, again, people are saying, "Oh, well, now a person isn't doing this. Uh, now, you know, a small uh, autonomous vehicle is doing this." But there still needs to be monitoring for, you know, that autonomous vehicle. Um, so I, like I said, around that technology, there's 
plenty of jobs that have been created, you know, even within Neuro, you know, that are actually trying to make sure that the product development of that technology is actually, you know, safe, secure, and so forth. So I want to say that one of the things that people are, you know, not taking, like I said, taking advantage of is, you know, let's look at, you know, the advantages of the technology and let's figure out now where does workforce development fit within this instead of saying, oh, this is a loss and say, how can this be an advantage? That is a great way of putting it. And before I let you go, uh, I would love to ask you a few questions for our women in tech segment. So you obviously have uh, an amazing background and expertise, and I would want our listeners to learn a little bit more about them and how did you come to be in the place that you're in, you know, kind of like, tell us about your life journey and whatever inspired you and made you interested in the tech sector. Okay, so I would say that I pretty much started off, you know, more as a scientist <laughs> and instead of just saying like, you know, I know tech now has like really moved into like an extremely broad, um, you know, broad range of, you know, subject areas and so forth. But I guess in my, you know, when I initially started off, people probably would refer to me more so as a scientist instead of a technologist. Um, however, you know, my my first position um, was working as a patent examiner. That was one of my first jobs. And working as a patent examiner, you're pretty much examining patent applications and you're looking at innovation and technology um, and you're basically trying to figure out if, if, if something is novel or not. And so with you doing that, you're pretty much, you know, trying to uh, move prosecution along um, as an examiner. And you're also looking at the legal aspects of things as well. And so with that being said, you know, I had an opportunity not only to just look at, you know, things that are more geared towards uh, biotechnology, I should say, but I actually had an opportunity to, to move into uh, and expand, you know, into other uh, subject areas. So with that being said, um, that's kind of where my, you know, technology uh, stint or experience, you know, first started. And so um, I, you know, had experience working in private sector and working with, you know, innovators from the standpoint of, you know, looking at talking to innovators about, you know, the patent as well as the commercialization process, um, as well as talking to, you know, startups and, you know, speaking with people about do they understand, you know, certain processes, if that makes any sense. Um, and so from then on, I had an opportunity to basically work with National Institute of Health and in their intellectual property office. Um, there, um, I, you know, pretty much also uh, basically focus a lot more on, you know, commercialization. Um, and so with that being said, the commercialization part is actually the part where you're, you know, pretty much talking a lot more to um, technologists, scientists about, you know, how can we bring something from an idea to market? Whereas like when I was working at USPTO, you're trying to determine whether or not, you know, a technology is unique so they can get protection from it. So I know those, both of the processes are quite different, but the audience uh, for the most part was still the same. Um, so the audience was still, you know, independent inventors, um, still, you know, startups, um, still small, uh, small business innovators as well. And so one of the other things that, you know, um, I basically got involved with um, and something that I'm heavily, you know, passionate about is the policy, you know, components of like learning more about 
how how um, small business innovators are impacted by you know different legislation and policy that is either being in, implemented or created. And so um, that with that being said, um, that is what led me to um, actually doing two different stints on the Hill with two for, two different members of Congress, where I focused a lot on um, intellectual property policy and technology policy. And so, you know, with my knowledge gained from learning a lot about the policy making process, you know, it just kind of like threw me into wanting to learn more as well as advocate um, for small business innovators, um, as well as being able to understand, like, again, what policies are being created um, and as well as what policies are being implemented around different aspects of innovation to government funding um, and so forth. And as many very accomplished people, you're also being very humble and um, I believe you also had experience at the House of Representatives, correct? And not only are you have like multiple graduate degrees uh, and uh, have like this one, like you have a very, you have a view, uh, you can look at technology from so many different perspectives because you've had, you know, you've worked in an executive branch, you've worked in the legislative branch and you have, you know, your legal background and you have uh, your master's is in, what's your master's in again, in government political? So yes, I'm a candidate currently with George Mason. So George Mason actually, I'm actually a candidate for two different programs, but one program basically focuses on um, intellectual property and technology. Um, and basically you just focus solely on those particular courses within the law school. Um, and then the program that the public policy program is also a program that I'm a part of as well. I'm a candidate of, I should say. Well, you are doing many, many things at the same time, which honestly, I don't know how you uh, are able to do that in this uh, 2020 um, dumpster fire of a year. <laughs> I think I can say <laughs> that on the record. Um, so uh, thank you so much for joining the show. And before I let you go, what would be your advice to our listeners who you know, are interested maybe in IP or, and they know that Tech Freedom doesn't do IP, but we feel for all the people who do. and it is a very fascinating area um, or people who want to get in general into tech policy. Like what would be your advice, especially right now that networking and internships and everything has moved online? Um, what would your advice be to those folks? So I would say, you know, a person that wants to get, you know, involved in intellectual property, there's so many different ways that, technology is related to intellectual property and commercialization. And so I would say, you know, it just depends on, you know, maybe the areas that you're trying to, you know, basically kind of like take wind of, because you could also, you know, focus on intellectual property as it relates to Section 230, um, dealing a lot more with like the communications um, law and digital platforms and, and so forth. So one of the things that I recommend to people is, you know, to try to find and connect the dots of things that they're interested in. So, you know, it could be, you know, you're trying to find or you're trying to connect the dots or inter intersect, you know, intellectual property as it relates to the digital economy um, or intellectual property as it relates to, you know, anything dealing with, um, again, you know, small business ownership, um, if that makes any sense, or startups for that matter. Um, but there's always, you know, now I'm learning, you know, since technology is a huge, you know, uh, is a broad range of subject matters, 
um, there's always now a way where you can, you know, try to find um, some roadmap to connect the dots of the things that you're interested in. So I know with me, you know, I started off in IP, but, you know, I've moved into wanting to learn more about tech policy. And, you know, again, how does tech policy intersect with, you know, the things that I was already currently doing with intellectual property? So with that being said, you know, one of the things that always pops up is, you know, startups. Um, and small business innovators. So I'm, you know, always really interested in how policies and legislation is created and implemented that small business innovators are, you know, impact, where they're impacted by that particular legislation. So I don't know, did that, I hope that answers your question. I would just say, you know, like I said, trying to find, trying to connect the dots between, you know, different subject areas that you're interested in is like really, really important. If you're interested in intellectual property, figuring out what aspects of intellectual property, um, you know, interest you. And like I said, if it's all targeted around a particular audience, such as like my audience would be, you know, dealing with, again, small business innovators or startups, then I'm, you know, heavily interested in all things that are related to that audience. That is great advice. Um, before I let you go, I know I've said this before, but plug in your website or your Twitter, um, maybe your company's website, whatever you want, where can our listeners find you? So uh, in regards to Instagram, um, listeners can find me at Innovator Connector uh, on Instagram. It's on Twitter. Um, you can tweet me at, at tweet Nina Archie. And um, currently, if you want to just get in contact with me, um, my email address is Nina at InnovatorConnector.com. Awesome. Well, Nina, thank you so much for joining the show. It was fascinating and it was such a great like recap of everything that's going on that I think has been super helpful. We can't wait to have you back. Um, you're always welcome uh, to come back. And, uh, you know, now you're kind of one of our, the friend of the show, so to speak. Um, and please, everyone, uh, rate and review us. Leave us a comment because that's going to help others find the show. Thank you for listening. Policy Podcast is produced and distributed by Tech Freedom, a nonpartisan nonprofit think tank in Washington, D.C. To learn more about our work, make a tax deductible donation, or find other episodes, find us online at techfreedom.org. <laughs>